0: I think I'll award a Brass Figlagee with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm to see how aware you are of true American pop culture. Would you see whether you got your finger on a pulse? Just see whether you're you're, you're really, truly vibrating to the sounds of your times. Uh, it's the one on this side, Nick, you know, the one with the yellow label. All right, now I'll give you the cue. All right, uh, what is the significance of this? And I will give you a Brass Figlagee with bronze oak leaf palm with aluminum distinguished clusters for rising above the mire and the muck of ordinary listener. By God, you don't get that every day. What is the significance of this? Hello, sport fans. All of you know that they've improved all of the equipment that is used in sports these days. There are better fielders mitts, there's better hockey clubs, and... That's tonight's test question. We'll award a brass piggy with the bronze. <laughs> Do you recognize it, Nick? All right. Uh, oh, you know it's all part of the. That's all part of the today's slob culture, and and uh, you got to be part of it. I tell you, you, you you're living in it. You got to be part of it, and uh, we got to know here. Of course, one of the most interesting of all manifestations of slob culture is the uh, is the election. I think the election uh, just just brings out the. Uh, the best and the worst of all possible men. It's just uh, very exciting. I, I I love elections, particularly presidential elections. They really get exciting, because then you feel you feel that things are really uh, you know you're part of a, some kind of a vast thing that's happening. Otherwise, every other four years, you know all the time between the four years we're all we're all just walking our own way. See, but when that big thing comes up at the end of that four year period, we're all in one big fantastic, moiling, fist-fighting, brawling family, you know? And uh, this, uh, this spy, now, now I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the uh, winner on that, I'm waiting, uh, just give us a call, and then uh, we'll, we'll award the brass fig to the man who can recognize the significance of that uh, bit of pop culture, which uh, you just probably heard, it's an exciting thing. And, uh, you know, speaking of pop culture, it's, it's really taken taken a fantastic toll. Now, true pop culture does not have anything to do with mod culture. you agree with that? Uh, this is often confused by uh, tall, thin designers who wear white belts with rhinestones on them. That uh, pop culture has very little to do with mod culture. True pop culture, of course, is uh, something else again, and it's beginning to creep in in many areas. For example, you know that that, uh, that there's a school... And uh, gee, I, I'm really so disappointed that, uh, that I wasn't going to school at the time. They did this kind of stuff, you know? I mean, even you, Nick, you think you're with it, man. When you went to school, they didn't do this. In Mankato, Minnesota, did you ever hear of Mankato State College? Sure, you heard of that. Eh? You know that they have a, a credit course. Listen to this. It's a credit course. You get three credit hours, it, and that includes lab. Uh, three credit hours. It's in the liberal arts towards a degree uh, in a course called booze. Mixing and consumption. And uh, there's a guy named Dr. Roger Smith. I don't know what his doctorate's in. It must be an interesting doctorate. He, he teaches the course, see? And, uh, of course, you can't ever approach anything head-on these days. Everything has to be tinged with that the double talk that Candide noticed so well many centuries ago. Now, if he was to just say, look, we're going to teach this course because a lot of guys don't know how to mix drinks, and mixing drinks is an important part of your life later on, a lot of guys don't know how to drink good, so we're going to give a three credit hour. This is true living experience. It's a true living course, really, but they can't approach it that way, and that's one of the problems of our time. So he says, really, the reason they're doing this is to study the sociological environment of bars, and the reason why people frequent them. We're quoting the doctor here. He says, uh, he says, quote, uh, he's just discovering this. He's, bars are interesting places. We have found in our studies. Uh, they serve many purposes. <laughs> now, that's what I call rapping real cool, you know. That's that's uh, that's making a fantastic, uh, you know, that's, that's building a gigantic mountain out of a tiny mouse. And it's kind of nice to get three credit hours. You know, every afternoon you sit down there and knock down a couple of Jack Daniels, you know, and, and uh, you watch how the bartender puts the ice in the glasses and you make a few notes. You have to make notes. And in fact there's a picture of the students studying one of their their lecture classes sitting in Fred's bar there and one guy of course has the inevitable spiral ring notebook out and he's taking notes and you can see one of the students down at the end there appears to have slipped a little low in his seat and uh, he's he's a very conscientious student he's he's he's, uh, he's experiencing one of the more interesting aspects of bars and the uh, doctor said uh, this is a three-credit-hour course. He said, we just couldn't sit in the bar and throw questions at the people. We had to fit in with the mood so that the uh, customers would trust us. He said that uh, none of us gets totally drunk, but uh, he said, after all, the students, incidentally, you have to pay a lab fee in this course. It's seven twenty five a semester, lab fee. That's not bad, considering what some guys can knock down, you know. It's not bad at all. Uh, and uh, he said, they, they paid the normal credit uh, time, you know, for three credits you pay that. What is it, $20 a credit hour, or something like that, maybe 30 Minnesota, and you pay seven twenty-five lab fee. Uh, there are eight students enrolled in this course. It's a brand-new course, eight students enrolled, and uh, predictably seven of them are men, and there's one check. And uh, according to the note I read here, it says they all have a staggering interest in the subject. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's pop culture. No, I did not. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, somebody just called in and said, was that a salute to Robert Goulet that you just did uh, that, on that uh, with the record? No, that's not what uh, we were doing. Surprise is uh, nobody has identified this. Uh, would you try it again? We'll do it again for them, Nick. Remember, this is our... No, no, get get the yellow one up there, Nick. All set. Get it up there. Make sure that uh, the victims are ready there. No time. we got plenty of time. There's no no problem. No working about it. Oh, the election's so exciting. We have... Tonight, by the way, the show tonight may uh, infuriate and irritate several of you, so I'd just like to warn you, you better get down there where they're playing that salute to Barbara Streisand a couple of notches down the dot. You'll enjoy that more. It's a little cleaner for you. All right, Nick, here we go. I said here we go. There we go. <laughs> all right, what does this mean? Ah, good evening, sport fans. All of you sport fans know that they've improved all kinds of sporting equipment. Fielder's mitts are better. Hockey sticks are better. And now, at last... All right. That's pop culture. What does that come from? Where does that... Uh... Where is that heard most often? That bit of pop culture. That's right. Well, no, not really. That's why I read this. It, uh... That's right. Now, I, I have a note from one of our spies, which I think I'm going to have to relay to you, because... Uh... He has some important notes to say here. He says, uh, "And I want you to listen to this, Nick. This is going to be required later." He said, uh, "May I implore you to perform a truly magnanimous gesture in behalf of your fellow man? In this case, all those politicians who are now striving for political office. As you may or may not have noticed, yes, I have noticed a trend. Political years these days tend to assume the complexity and the complexion of an Oriental calendar." You know how in Oriental calendars every year they have a different animal like the year to rat, the year to mouse, the year of the mole, and all that stuff? He says there were years, a few years ago, for example, there were years devoted to different racial and ethnic groups. 1970, if you remember, was called the year of the student. Remember that, Nick? 1971 was the year of the woman. And 1972 is destined, obviously, to be the year of the hard-hat, blue-collar slob. After all this time... The politicians have discovered the fantastically beautiful qualities and numerous votes of what you call the average walking, talking, spitting, sweating human being. After years of being the out-group, suddenly the dildocs are in. Now, have you noticed that, Nick? This is very true. I I noticed even in the Post today there was an admiring piece about the blue-collar vote. And, uh, gee, they, they, uh, they were just so admiring about it. And I just remember a few years ago when the same guys were marching up and down the uh, Sixth Avenue, you know, hitting guys on the head and they were wearing these hats and all that stuff. Everybody was really mad. He says, this has led to some amusing antics by our beloved political aspirants. Just last week, I was slurping up a beer and watching the evening news when suddenly one of our most respected and now truly relevant leaders appeared on the spec tube located high above my favorite bar. Two years ago, uh, during the year of the student, this guy used one compound word, to denote all that was wrong, brutal, racist, evil, and immoral in our society. What was that word? Hard hat. You remember this? (laughs) Yeah, he was doing this all the time. You know who I'm talking about. He says, if you listen to him expound, you soon realized in those days that even the devil had traded in his long red underwear, his pitchfork and his horns, for this true badge of rottenness. And what did I see this guy on a TV donning the other day when he was campaigning in Jersey? You guessed it. He said, with the pious look of a plaster saint whose tinsel halo has slipped down over his ears, he was carefully before a crowd of guys adjusting a brand-new shiny hard hat. <laughs> I saw that on TV. He says, the incongruity of this broke me up, and I damn near choked on my beer as I went into paroxysm of laughter. Well, the bartender, of course, is an ardent fan of this vote-getter, so, of course, he could not see the humor in the situation. It is not my intention to poke fun at our leaders, so I'll drop this sordid subject. The point I wish to make is that our politicians look more ill at ease and uncomfortable with a group of Slavis Americanus Vulgaris than they would be if they were set down among a tribe of Australian Aborigines. It's true, he did look a little uncomfortable there, you know. Uh, he says, says, since you once were obviously a part of this amorphous and uncouth social class, that's true, I I must admit that one time I actually worked in a steel mill. And uh, he goes on to say, perhaps you as an articulate and literate spokesman could assist these office seekers in their attempts to find out what makes Stanley Kowalski tick. Well, I'm uh, pleased that he, he does. He brings out a point there. Now, I think I'm coming into my own here, you know, uh, uh, for the last four or five years, all these uh, various types of uh, of uh, of uh, advisors you saw behind all these guys all had long hair and black shades, afros, the whole bit. See, and now at long last, they're trying to contact Stanley Kowalski, and uh, he says maybe you can help. Which reminds me, by the way, speaking of Stan, this is W O R, New York. Sometimes I figure Stanley's running it. Would you please uh, hit our uh, guitar button there, please. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Just lovely. Ah, Portugal. Lovely Portugal. And they've got a great big new youth fair thing going on. And if you're a youth type, for only $210, round trip, economy airfare, you can spend a whole year if you'd like in Portugal, man. The ticket is good for one year. $210 is real easy to make. Believe me. I mean, many kids spend that at McDonald's over a weekend. So anyone under 26 and over 12 is eligible. And in Portugal, you'll meet European kids all over the place. Uh, the prices of food is great. The food is good, by the way. And the people are just, they move great. Call your travel agent or TAP at 421 8500. 421 8500. TAP's $210 youth fare to Portugal. Yeah.
1: Thank
0: you, Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Two? You want to do another one? No, no, no. We, we've that. we given Portugal enough. You mean somebody called in and recognized that piece of great American culture there? All right, what's his name? Stanley Kowalski called from Passaic? Huh? <laughs> hey, I know what that is on the Mets game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh... uh who is the winner there, please? Uh, oh, would you Do you have the winner, Jerry? Oh, would you please put him on? Would you please put him on there? He's he's hanging on the end of the phone, and I can hear the nickels going in the slot. Yeah. Poor guy, we have a winner. You recognize that piece of American culture. Hey, you know, while I'm on the subject of American culture, I want you to listen to this carefully here. Uh <laughs> I got a letter from... You know, sometimes there are things that happen in this business that make uh, that make the business uh, a little more than just doing something, you know, just entertaining. And uh, it happens once in a while. And last week, I got a letter from a guy who was in a... He was writing it from a barracks in Vietnam. He's an ex-listener. Obviously, he can't hear us over in Vietnam much. And uh, he wrote from Vietnam. And he said, "Shepard," he said, and I'm quoting him was closely as I can he says Shepard he says I got a copy of this record of yours and he said I don't know what it means to you to make a record now hold on I'll I'll give you he says I don't know what it means to make a record he says the guy makes a record he probably just thinks it's gone and that's it he said but I went to Princeton he said I was uh, an undergraduate at Princeton he said I got drafted and I came here and I've been here for about a year and a half he said man it's been a drag and he said "It ain't been easy he said but I got a copy of this record of yours at the PX. He said, they don't sell them at the PX anymore because they just blew up the PX. He said, but uh <laughs> that's exactly what he said. <laughs> and he said, well, I've been playing this record in the barracks, he said, that whenever we're back from patrol or something. And he says, I've been playing this record so much that you can see both sides at once when you hold it up to the light. And he said, could you have some more sent over? Well, you know... <laughs> man, you can't, re- re- he said, about 50 guys come in there all the time, and they stand around, he said, because it's, it represents home and everything to them. You know, it's a sound. And he said, the particularly the cuts that were made with uh, with you on, on, on stage at Princeton. Now, if you don't know why I'm saying this, the record was done, this record, uh, which was brought out by Mercury a couple of months ago, was done largely on the stage at Princeton. It was recorded actually in concert. It's not one of these fake... And you know, so many comedy records, Nick, are you aware that most comedy records today are done in a studio with dubbed-in laughter? And uh, this is for a number of reasons. You can get better quality and a lot of other things behind that. But this was recorded actually on stage at Princeton, and there were 2,000 people there. To those of you who were there, you you remember the night. This was a year ago or so. And uh, Mercury brought it out, and... I just, by coincidence, the same day, now listen to this, Jerry, because somebody's going to ask you, and you ain't listening. The same day, I got a letter from uh, University of California. They have a, uh, a satirical humor col- uh, a paper out there called The Heavy-Handed Butterfly, which, by the way, is a great name. Uh, <laughs> the Heavy-Handed Butterfly. And it says, Shepard, your record has just been awarded our award as the underground classic gut-busting comedy record of the year. And they sent me a little brass butterfly with lead hands the heavy-handed butterfly award and and so you know it, it made it all kind of great and 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 uh, this is a, a, a little tiny bit i'm going to play this because a lot of people have written to me because a couple of weeks ago we mentioned that the record is now available by mail and a lot of them said well i never heard it and people won't buy unless they hear it beforehand and so here's a, a little tiny cut of the part at princeton that this guy is playing in, in Nam. You listen to this.
1: Danger.
0: <laughs> That's the crowd at
1: Princeton. Okay, you <laughs> are looking at the enemy.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> uh, I, I put little, one little part there on that, that could be played on the air. That was recorded on stage, and that was from the great Army VD film, Lecture, uh, which is one of the cuts on this. And so th- this all leads up to something. I've been getting so many letters in the last six months as you know, people keep writing and saying, where can we get it? Because apparently most record shops in most little towns only carry pop-hit records and Snoopy T-shirts uh, in that order, or often in the reverse order, actually. So uh, here's the story. You can now buy it by mail. And uh, there's an outfit called Staggerwing Productions has has uh, cornered a lot of these. And incidentally, the, the, the record is a limited pressing. There's only a certain number of them available. So you can thrill to the turnpike trauma, which is a salute to the Jersey turnpike, and uh, that little bit that you just heard at Princeton. And it's all available by sending a check or money order. Incidentally, this is less than it sells in record shops. $5, check or money order, no cash, Uh, no stamps, just check or money order, to Staggerwing, Staggerwing, S-T-A-G-G-E-R-W-I-N-G, Staggerwing, Post Office Box 271, Village Station, New York, New York, 10014. And the address again is Staggerwing, Post Office Box 271, Village Station, New York, New York, 10014. And by the way, that price includes all handling, postage, and tax, and so on. It's called the declassified Gene Shepherd, and it's five dollars, check or money order to Staggerwing, and make it out to Staggerwing. Don't make it out to me, you know. End of uh, end of thing. But you know, it's kind of a great feeling to know that guys are playing your record. In fact, you know, I had an eerie experience that way. The last record that I made, which was about oh, five five or six years ago for Elektra, uh, one night I was in. Bavaria and by the yes Bavaria and that's not Bavaria New York this is Bavaria Bavaria and I was outside of a town named Dinglefin which is incredible no I'm sorry Nick it's it's an incredible but there is a town named Dinglefin and believe it or not in Dinglefin they made a car called the Mobile. they really did I'm serious if you think that VWs are made by elves you ought to see what makes Gogos but uh, (laughs) I'm very serious it was near the River Isar and uh, there, there I was driving along, and I was driving at, in the dead of night. I'll tell you what happened to me. It was really dark. It's always dark there, see. And all, they have these little houses made out of gingerbread and all that stuff. And what's that, Nick? <laughs> and and I'm driving along at night, see. And and I, I I'm all by myself. And then I have rarely felt more foreign than I felt at that moment. And and I was approaching the uh, the Czechoslovakian border. Late at night, yeah, the Czech border was only a few miles away, and it was darker than the inside of your, your beanie. And there was a little tiny radio in this car that I was driving. It was a rented European car that had this little rubber band motor, you know, and it was putting along there. And uh, they had this little radio, and a little kind of scratchy radio. And I'm trying to hear something on it, and all I can get is a lot of static and guys talking what sounded like Croatian. And once in a while, somebody play a bugle. They have strange stuff on the radio late at night in places like that. And all of a sudden, I came across, apparently, one of the Armed Forces radio relay stations over there uh, that comes out through Frankfurt, AFRS. And they were playing my record. I, I, my voice just came out of the radio. And for that curious moment, it was like there was... You know what F. Scott Fitzgerald talked about always having the third eye? where you do something and at the same time there's a there's an eye inside of you only a few people have this that keeps watching you do it that's the third eye really and uh i i, I had this curious uh, feeling of listening to myself but as if i was a total stranger to myself i i, I didn't i didn't feel like i was really listening to myself it was like i was listening to some kind of peculiar friend some friend that I once knew <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking gee you know the guy's really funny and I'm laughing I'm hitting the wheel and, and here it was way out in Dinglefin and it slowly faded out and uh, that's the last I heard of it but uh, this uh, recording thing is is curious oh e- excuse me I have to get back to our business here What with the drinking classes going on Mankato State I mean you got to stay with the slob art hey we have a note here from uh, great, great Shanghai about that Chinese food there and their big Chinese brunch. And if you don't know anything about the Great Shanghai, I feel kind of silly telling you about it because it's a big thing here in town. It's been around. I I suspect that more student unrest has been fomented in the Great Shanghai than any other single place outside of the library where all the students eat Great Shanghai and 103rd and Broadway, and they have this big Chinese brunch Sunday. It's a fantastic buffet. It's here from 11 o'clock in the morning to 4 and they lay it on the line. All you can eat for two seventy-five. really good Chinese food from all the different areas of China. Setsuan, Peking, Canton, Shanghai. It's all from the whole the whole panoply. And it's kind of nice with sweet and sour sauce on it. Originally an Italian dish, you know, kind of uh, There's an IRT station right there. It comes right up from 103rd Broadway. The great Shanghai. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. A lot of thing Oh, yes, the the, the, uh, the blue-collar hard hat is in. Have you noticed that now you can buy Archie Bunker uh, mugs? Yeah, beer party mugs. Yes, he's running for president. This is Archie Bunker for president, the beer party. And just a couple of years ago, boy, they were putting those guys down bad. I think this is all part of this curious, sudden... Uh, this is the year of the, uh, the uh, Dildock. Aki is coming into his own. And my... Uh, uh, my uh, correspondent points out, he says, Shepard, you can definitely help the uh, the candidates on how to approach the average Doc, and I must agree. For example, now, I'll give you a specific example. Now, if I were McGovern, say, and I was coming to, say, Jersey, and I want to, you know, or, or New York. Let's take New York, or let's just say I'm coming to New York, saying I'm going to swing the New York vote. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the New York Doc vote. Now, where would I have my... My rally. Would I have it at Lincoln Center? No, come on. The, 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 the Doc, doesn't even know what Lincoln Center is, you know. I'll tell you what I would have it. No, nope, nope. Nope, I would have it. I would have it in this big drive-in movie up here. You know, up here, the one, the one up there in the Bronx. There's a big drive-in movie there. Just when you go over the bridge, you know, there's a great big one there, see. And I would have it uh, between double features. See, there'd be a big, uh, uh, the first feature, you know, would be... <laughs> would be a big horror movie see and the second would be an X-rated movie featuring a lascivious cat and uh, I would I would play I would come up because you see the average guy this is his milieu. He, he'd recognize this as part of his thing you see and he recognizes then that you recognize his thing you see and I would appear on stage and I would be uh, you know this old idea of, of uh, guys going around and eating uh, eating uh, Nathan hot dogs you know and the, eating knish someplace that's all that, that's old fashioned that's really old fashioned he should get up on a stage eating a drive-in movie house Chinese egg roll, washing it down with Dad's old-fashioned root beer. Now, <laughs> well, now, that's nothing wrong with that. This this, this puts him in nowhere. After all, remember who he's catering to. Listen, I, I would suspect that the average guy eats more uh, frozen egg rolls in more drive-ins than he eats almost any single thing in his life today, and he probably drinks more root beer... And, uh, yes, root beer and uh, and Pepsi-Cola than any other single drink. Uh, So he has to, you know, this is the way you contact. Now, we're only talking, I'm I'm making no value judgments here. I'm just talking about how to contact. He says, uh, now, I I must quote my my correspondence here. He says, when you talk to a society of hunters, you talk about hunting. With farmers, you discuss farming. Now, Now, what common denominator binds together, all the average Americans, regardless of race, creed, origin, ethnic, or occupation. He says, right again, we are a society of automobile cuckoos. Everybody loves cars. We're a society of automobile nuts. So naturally, in order to reach a position of rapport with these clods, what do you discuss? They're cars, of course. And you don't discuss them like Nader. You discuss them totally different. He says, what one thing above all others does a klutz like to dra- brag about? What what does the average klutz brag about most? The average going to work and driving to the supermarket driver. What what is he? You well, know, does he? What does he brag about? His gas mileage, of course. This is the one thing he talks about constantly. Uh, he says he may be a totally uh, god fearing uh, type. He may love his wife and uh, tolerate his mother in law. But what makes him a braggart and a liar of the first water? Gas mileage. He says, I have known guys who have owned oversized clunkers that sucked up gas at a rate measured in gallons per mile and not miles per gallon. Yet, if you get these same guys around the water cooler or at the corner bar, their vehicles suddenly undergo a magic transformation, and a conversation like the following takes place. Clyde speaking. Yeah, last year on my trip to the Adirondacks, I got pretty good mileage in the Olds. 20, ah, 28, 29 miles a gallon. On a road, of course. I don't do so good around town, but uh, on a road... Uh, uh, i just fill the tank, drive all day, maybe 27, 20. used to get better than that was new. Uh, Claude, uh, here's his friend, uh, Clarence, comes consensus. Yeah, th- you think that's something, Claude? Huh? When I went to Atlantic City, I got 32 miles a gallon on my Merc. Of course, I didn't push it too hard, 70, 80 miles an hour, that's all, but I got, you know, a good 32 miles an hour. In five minutes, there are at least 80 guys around lying to the hilt about their fabulous gas mileage. Now, my advice to the candidates is to bear this in mind. When a guy walks into a factory you know, the candidate, and sticks out his myth. He doesn't talk about economics and welfare. I mean, that's ridiculous. What is this guy working there? I think we worry about economics, welfare, and particularly foreign trade. Here's the way you do it. Hello, I'm Sidney Schmidlap, your candidate for Congress. Everybody calls me Sid down at the bowling alley. And by the way, on the way up here, I got 32 miles a gallon on my Lincoln Continental. Of course, it was all turnpike driving. In a few minutes, he will have a big crowd around him. Everybody lying like hell about their gas mileage, but at least Sydney is a name they'll remember. He's the guy that got thirty-two mpg on the Continental. He said, "To be totally serious, though, <laughs> I really, I really think this guy's got a point." He said, "That what really does does the average guy think about in his life? What does he really believe? Does he really worry about the things that Pete Hamill worries about?" I just lay it out and I'm not putting down what I'm not saying he should or shouldn't I said "What well, does he really he said uh, well he said I wish the presidential candidates could promise an action which would be a real boon to the public this would be to use our national power and prestige to free Archimedes Pistophilus do you know who Archimedes Pistophilus is you ever hear the name no, no kidding you never heard the name think, think seriously Nick for a minute have you ever heard the name Pastopolis? Well, if you recall, Pastopolis was a research chemist for a large oil company, you might remember the case, who in 1948 or 49 discovered a pill, in a substance he made into a pill, which when mixed with water became a bona fide substitute for high-octane gasoline. That's right. As was to be expected, the evil cartel of the oil companies and the car manufacturers kidnapped him and for the past 25 years he has been shifted from place to place by them and right now he has it's been reported he's on a ship anchored off Switzerland he says I predict the slogan for the winning presidential candidate will be free Archimedes Pastophilus now now my father knew about that guy as a matter of fact, I remember one afternoon sitting at the kitchen table. Now, I remember it clearly, now that he brings up the name Pastopolis, my old man is sitting at the kitchen table, and he's bugged. He's got the Chicago Trib in his hand, always made him mad to read the Trib, and my mother is hanging over to say, she's got on her her Chinese red chenille bathrobe, you know, and she had this bathrobe, so kind of hang down the back, rump sprung, you know, had this petrified egg on the lapel, and and uh, she's hanging over to sink. And my father would get this note in his voice. There's a certain note that, that when people live together for five or six hundred years, they get so they don't even actually hear each other. They, it's, it's all a matter of, of tone, vocal tone. You know that ancient cultures sometimes almost do away with words in their language, and they use only tones of voice and various uh, high-pitched or low-pitched or tones that have little bends in the middle. Because they've lived together so long, they don't need language anymore, see? Well, that's the way it was with my my old lady and my my old man, see? They lived together so long that they never heard each other anymore. It was all just the tone of the voice. And so the old man got that, that tone of the voice that meant he was bugged again. But not her, not bugged at her, see? So she knew she was safe, you know? He wasn't bugged at anybody in the family. It's called being bugged in the abstract. Now, how do you get bugged in the abstract? Well... Now, if, if, uh, if, if somebody hollers at you, say, you old clod, that's not an abstract. He's bugged at you. Now, if somebody hollers, look at them clods, that's still not an abstract. He is bugged at those around you. Now, if he says, look what them clods done to us now, and he's reading the paper, that is the abstract bug, right? And that can be a dangerous one because sometimes it, it winds up in fistfights. I've even seen it wind up in divorces. So, the old man is sitting at the table, say, when Pastopolis was first mentioned. And he's sitting there, he's got his papers and he's looking down. He "Look Where is this? Where is this? These guys, what, what what kind of what kind of what kind of nuts do they think we are? Huh? What kind of fools do they think we are? He's holding up the paper, see. And he's got a full page ad for a car, and it says Economy. Yes. It says Economy, gas mileage. This car is guaranteed. They gave you more gas mileage than all them other cars. You know what Look, it, 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 the same guys. they come around. out. they take a counter. Let me tell you this. You know, my, my mother gets this, this tired look immediately. Her shoulders start to droop because, see, he wants to make sure she's listening to him so he will ask her questions. He will quiz her on it. You listening to me? Oh, what did I say? Huh? yeah, what did I say? So he says, look, he say hey, these guys. Oh, boy, he says, do they bug you? Sometimes they bug you. Yeah, I'm tell you, he says, you know, the other day, I'm down at the Bluebird. I'm down at the Bluebird Tavern, see? That's where he always used to go. it's the Bluebird. He said, I'm down at the Bluebird, and I'm sitting there at the Bluebird. And this guy comes in who works at the Griselli Chemical Company, see? Now, now a guy that works in a chemical company, he knows about chemicals, right? You can't deny that, right? He knows about chemicals. He works at, Griselli- he works at the Griselli Chemical Company. He's been working there 20 years. All right. He walks in. He sits down. And he's talking to me and Zudak. And I seen a guy around a place before, you know And uh, he's talking to me in Zudok, And he says to Zudok, he says, hey Zudok, How you doing with that new mercury of yours? And Zudok shrugged his shoulders And Zudok says, Oh, ah, you know, it's okay It's a nice car And this guy says, well, Zudok, how you doing with the gas? Zudok says, well, ah, you know, it does all right It's uh, okay, especially downhill When it's going downhill, so it's pretty good With a wind behind it, it's okay, you know uh, You know, I can't kick, I can't kick and he says, all of a sudden, this guy says it. Then he says, listen, I'll tell you something, you guys. And I'll tell you, you're, you're hearing it from the guy. He says, I work at Griselli Chemical, right? I know about chemicals. So well, I got a friend whose cousin, now this guy I met one time. I actually met him. I, he came down at lunch with him once. This guy's cousin works in Laporte, Indiana with a guy. Some kind of Greek guy. And you know, those Greeks are good chemists, because, as a matter of fact, he says, you ever hear about this Madame Curie? That's a Greek name. Anyway. This guy invented a pill that you put in the gas tank of your car and you put water in a gas tank and it turns water to gas. Now, he invented this two years ago and you ain't heard of it, right? You have not seen this anywhere, right? Well, of course, every driver in the Midwest has heard rumors of such a pill. And uh, there's no denying that. And uh, I'm sure that there are several Bronx drivers who've heard rumors of such a pill. And so the old man says, yeah, I, I did hear that. And he says, you're right. You heard of it, but I'll bet you never seen any of them on sale, and you won't. And you know why? The old man says, why? I'll tell you why. Oh, <laughs> you don't think they let that out, do you? <laughs> oh, they got that guy. His name was Postopolis. They got that guy, and I want to tell you this. You won't hear that guy no more. They ain't got that guy. You know, listen, they, they laid it on him. They gave that guy 50000 bucks, and you think they you think they let it stop at that? That guy has not reported for work at the Laporte Oil Company for the last two years, and you won't hear him. And my cousin told me this guy had it all invented, and it was not only invented. This guy even had to perfect it perfected and was using it. He was using it the Studebaker Champ, had his own Studebaker, and used it for two years. It worked good. The old man's sitting there, bugged. They did it to him again. He had heard recurrent rumors too, and all of you've heard of recurrent rumors. Of the guy that invented the fantastic carburetor that will give you up to 200 miles to the gallon in a Buick yet, of course. And so he's sitting there bucked, and he says, you, and he says to my mother, "Of course, my mother couldn't care less. You know, she's been hearing this for years. Her shoulders are kind of beautiful." He says, "Hey, not only that. Did I tell you about that carburetor? Listen, I, I, I myself, I know a guy that even saw one of the models of the carburetor, 125 to 200 miles to the gallon of gas. They wouldn't let that out." <laughs> everything's fixed. Well, now, you see, there are at least two candidates that are right now working on that myth. Everything's fixed. And all you got to do is stand in front of any given crowd of guys wearing hard hats and wearing blue shirts and just stand out there and say, you guys all know one thing, right? And they're all going to say, right! I'll tell you what, you know, it ain't what you know it's who you know right and of course why there's going to be a fantastic about how about how about running on the campaign uh, it ain't it ain't who you know it, it ain't what you know it's who you know campaign <laughs> And so so the, the world the world of, of uh, uh, it's too bad that my old man my old man wasn't around to see this he 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 just be at his glory today you know that it's, it's come, you know, it's, it's come, finding a populist movement. <laughs> it's come full swing. And, uh, and I, I, he had another one, too. Of course, there's all kinds of, uh, of, uh, of these myths. How many of you ever heard the myth? Uh, he, had, he had a great myth going to him that if you collect the right Indian head penny uh, that it has the right date and the right mark on it, if you get that Indian head penny and you send it into the Ford Company, they will send you a new Ford. He believed this all of his life. And he, and he clung to it. He says, oh, come on. He says, I know it. He said, I, I saw an ad. He maintained he saw an ad once that said that. Now, of course, this is the self-fulfilling prophecy. and that He had a whole bag of Indian head pennies. He collected like 12,000 of them, hoping one day it would happen. See? So the, the mythology that, that runs, there's other myths. Uh, that uh, There are persistent folk myths of that type. For example, how about this folk myth? Now, here's one. I'll bet all of you have heard of this myth. How many of you heard the myth? The myth. All right, I'll tell you what myth. Of the guy that once took out the ad in a magazine, and all it said was send $1 to Box 6SJ7, and he got millions of dollars. I've heard that ever since I was a little kid, and nobody has ever pointed that guy out to me. <laughs> That's one, of the, and everybody believes it actually happens. See, they, they'll they'll quote it as fact. It keeps coming up in conversation every couple of years. You know, somebody will say to me, and he'll tell it to me like I've never heard it before. Well, I remember my old man saying that one time. My old man, see, I'm a kid. I'm I'm standing by the sink, and the old man says, "Listen," he says, "Oh man, you don't know how many suckers there are in the world." And my mother says, what do you mean? This was the time that she let the, the guy that was selling the aluminum pots and pans in the house, and we didn't get him out of the house for three weeks. And uh, the old man was always bugged about that, see, because suckers, can, uh, <laughs> he always felt that everybody's a sucker, but him, see. And so his line was this. He says, you know, up there, he says, there's suckers born all the time. You know, there's suckers every place. Did you ever hear about the guy that took out the ad in the magazine? All he wrote in the ad was send a dollar. And uh, by the next week, the guy had about $7 million. He retired and went down to South America or someplace. Why? The Dildox just dildo- dildo- saw this in the paper and they wrote, you know? That's a persistent myth. And I'll bet a lot of you believe it right now. I'll bet a lot of you still believe that one. <laughs> I have never met that guy. I've never seen that guy, but he's always referred to... And sometimes they'll even add a touch of of, of, of what, what you could call a created uh, authenticity. They'll say, well, there was a guy once that was a student at Harvard that took out this ad. That's the little touch of authenticity. Of course, nobody's ever seen this guy. Uh, yes. <laughs> thank you. Hey, where is it? Oh, right, bring it up, bring it up. Thank you, thank you. There it is. I, I was waiting for the bugles there. There he comes. Three guys, including Lester Smith, of charges. There was this guy. I know the guy. <laughs> oh, myths never die easy. And I'll tell you this. People will defend them. So if you run on that campaign, if you run on a campaign on that, that type, see? Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, I heard it was the Chicago Tribune, list Two years ago, I, I I heard that it was the Cleveland Plain Dealer. <laughs> oh, man. What do you mean, Shepherd? Everybody knows they invented that pill. You don't think they're going to let that out, do you? Crying out loud. And so finally... Archie Bunker has come into his own. And he got his candidates off and running and galloping.
1: Yeah, they ain't gonna get away with that on us, Soak them rich guys. Oh, after all.
0: Now, if you were really a candidate, you were trying to make it big, you'd go out and you'd get the Ringo Starr to be on your platform with you, the piano player from the Lawrence Wealth Band, You'd get an Eskimo, an Indian, and you'd get a welder. They'd all stand behind you whenever you made a a campaign
1: speech.
0: (laughs) And the piano player would play the Lawrence Welk theme song. Ringo would sit around looking through his shades, you know. Once in a while, he'd plunk on his Fender bass or beat his drums or something. And within 15 minutes, man, there'd be no stopping you. Just keep rolling. And and by the way, all the while, you have to be eating a Chinese egg roll from the Route 3 drive-in. Uh, and a McDonald cheeseburger One of the people This is WOR speaking of the people New York, you stay tuned for Lester Smith on the
1: news Who knew the guy to put the ad in the paper The news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom Two still unidentified passengers in a taxi cab were killed tonight In a three-car collision on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway at Flushing Avenue Police said the accident occurred at 7.25 when a westbound car went out of control, crossed the road divider, and crashed into the eastbound taxi. Another eastbound vehicle hit the cab in the rear, the gas tank in the cab exploded, and the cab's trapped passengers were burned to death. Police identified the driver of the westbound car as Joseph Carrasquillo of 250 Kepp Street in Brooklyn. He was burned on the left arm and leg. The driver of the other car that hit the taxi cab was identified as Joseph Martinez of Staten Island. He suffered minor cuts to his face. Delivering the commencement address today at the United States Coast Guard Academy graduation, Vice President Spiro Agnew said, the American experience in Indochina has rekindled hope among some that if the United States would only withdraw and disarm, aggressors would abandon their dreams of conquest. But Agnew said, without preparedness there can be no peace so we must temper our hopes with reality. The Vice President told the 177 graduating students at New London, Connecticut, I feel confident that we have learned the lessons of history well, that we will never again opt for isolationism, that we will continue to be our brother's keeper. Senator George McGovern's view of the Vietnam War and the efforts to release American prisoners of war came today in Los Angeles after his California Democratic presidential primary victory. The South Dakota senator declared,
0: I think what the American people have to understand is that there's no real hope of seeing those prisoners again until we agree to the full termination of all American military operations in Southeast Asia. I would set that kind of condition, and I would set it with the uh, understanding that the other side ought to respond with some kind of an agreement on the release of the prisoners. I wouldn't make... uh, Uh, I wouldn't hold off on announcing that we're coming out of there. But I would make clear to Hanoi that uh, we expect our prisoners to be released, and if I can uh, accelerate that release by 24 hours, I'll go to Hanoi and stay there for whatever time is necessary.
1: And Senator McGovern called President Nixon's bombing order against North Vietnam a hoax because he said it will not bring freedom to the American POWs. McGovern heads for Friday and Saturday campaigning here in New York The senator said he expects to win two-thirds of this state's 278 delegates to the Democratic National Convention.